You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Medical weight bias or weight stigma. These are terms that are being used to describe doctors who can't see past weight when it comes to diagnosing their patients. We all know that weight is a significant risk factor for our health. We know that it can lead to chronic conditions and that losing weight can help avoid a whole lot of complications down the track. But what if weight isn't the issue? Today, we're going to look at how heavier people are treated by the medical community and what we can do to make sure weight doesn't trump health. I remember the time I was fat shamed by my doctor. I'd gone into the surgery for something completely unrelated to fertility, but in wrapping up the appointment, my young female GP asked me if I was thinking about ever having children. Bearing in mind, I was in my 20s at the time and had not gone to see her for anything even closely related to this topic. I replied with, sure, maybe one day, and she said, well, I'd like to see you lose at least 20 kilos before you even consider it. Needless to say, I walked out of the office feeling pretty shamed disgusted that the doctor thought I was so fat that she had to comment on it even though it had nothing to do with my visit. And I'm not alone. We reached out to our audience to see if it happened to any of you, and here are some of the stories you sent us. I've never really considered myself particularly overweight, but every time I've ever gone to the doctor about depression or any other symptoms, he always just recommended that I exercise and eat better. It's taken about 10 years and four different doctors to get diagnosed as ADHD and get on the antidepressants that work. And my weight has fluctuated the whole time. Looking back, I was most depressed when I was skinniest. Oh yeah, when I was a kid all the time by our local doctor. I used to get anxiety just going to the doctor about a cold. Mind you, I was a chubby 11-year-old, but it was not a major health issue. When I was pregnant, there wasn't a health provider that didn't assume that I had gestational diabetes. I didn't, by the way. Yep, I'm fat, but I didn't get gestational diabetes. It's not a fat people disease. My husband asked for advice on how to lose weight. The doctor said, eat less. That's it. No referral, no other advice, no mental health check. Our healthcare system is broken. For Alex, her weight has been an issue for her doctors since she can remember. When I was about six or seven, my mum took me to see a specialist about a breathing condition that I had, which I'd had since I was quite small and it was chronic at that stage. And I wasn't a skinny kid, but I was very active. And the doctor who my mum had taken me to had decided that the problem with my breathing was my weight. So right in front of me, she sort of said to mum, well, if she wasn't overweight, then, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. And, you know, as a young person who's probably not overly aware of my size, I sure was after that. <laughs> I guess when you realise that you're different, it starts to follow you into every aspect of your life. So whether it be, you know, wanting to go and do dance, but being very aware of the fact that I was overweight, you know, whether it be going out to a restaurant with friends and their parents and parents, you know, seemingly making it really clear that I was not as skinny and maybe I should be eating differently. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've needed to see specialists for other issues. About five years ago, I was diagnosed with an underactive thyroid, which is not a condition related to my weight. But the endocrinologist that I was referred to to go and sort of fix that issue or at least control that issue 
constantly brought up what he called the weight issue. So every time I went and saw this specialist, he asked me what we were going to do about the weight issue. And, you know, I'm 25 years old. I'm busy. I'm active. You know, I'm dating. I'm in the prime of my life. When you're constantly being told by a doctor that you have a weight issue, and I'll be clear that that language is really damaging in itself, it's really hard to keep your confidence up. I am a confident person. I have always been aware that I've not been skinny, but I've been very healthy and very fit, and I've never been skinny considering those two things. But a doctor that keeps on bringing up that I've got a weight issue really, really brings up all of those issues from my childhood when I was an overweight kid and I was struggling with my self-esteem. Has it also affected your confidence in your doctors? Absolutely. I'm in my 30s now and, you know, in the last sort of few years, having seen quite a few different specialists for different things, it's become acutely aware to me that there's some doctors that are on your side, some doctors that understand you and others that just really don't. And the endocrinologist that I saw at the time who kept bringing up the weight issue was one of those doctors who wasn't on my side. He wouldn't listen to me. He didn't understand that I was exercising all the time and eating well and that perhaps my size was just my size. And now I'm so aware that if I go to a doctor and they make me feel uncomfortable, then that's just not the doctor for me. And I've been getting rid of doctors who aren't on my side since then. But you know, as a 25-year-old who's a little bit unwell because their thyroid's not working properly, I didn't have the strength to tell that guy that he was being a bit of a jerk and making me feel awful. But now I'm aware and now I'll call any doctors that don't make me feel good. Research has found that an experience of medical weight bias is more common for women than it is men. The National Centre for Weight and Wellness in Washington found that in general, around 5% of healthy weight range women will delay their own medical care. That number shoots up to 35% if the woman has a higher BMI. When asked why they held off going to see a doctor about a potentially unrelated health issue, a third of them said they didn't want to be lectured about their weight. Another study by the same entity found that doctors spend less time with people of higher body weight and didn't include them in decisions about their bodies where thinner women found the opposite. So why is it that some doctors interact differently with fatter patients? Dr. Hester Wilson is a GP and addiction specialist. Doctor, from a physician's perspective, why does it seem like some doctors have a weight bias when treating their patients? The reality is that being overweight or suffering obesity have significant health risks. And that's where doctors are coming from when they're talking to patients about weight and weight loss and overweight and obesity. One of the tricky things I think is if I come in as a patient about something else and then my doctor starts talking to me about something that is unrelated or seems unrelated, that that can be a bit difficult for me as a patient. The fact is, though, that many of the conditions that we suffer, particularly chronic health conditions like heart issues and diabetes and arthritis, which are big issues, very, very common and have significant impact on people's lives and well-being, that those conditions are affected adversely by being overweight or obese. So really, it's around the doctor wanting to have a conversation with you about your health. Now, I do own that sometimes we as doctors might get the language a bit wrong. 
We come from the culture that we live within. And, you know, it is absolutely right to say that overweight obesity is a stigmatised condition, just like mental health issues are, just like drug and alcohol issues are. You know, they're seen as lifestyle issues and it's your choice to be this way. But what we know absolutely is that those so-called lifestyle issues are really related to us as individuals, the community that we live in, what we have access to, the way that the structures in the community that we live in is set up. You know, is it easy and nice to walk around a community, for example, if you want to exercise? Those things make a huge impact. The fact that the high carbohydrate, high simple sugar, low quality foods are the ones that are at the end of, you know, the checkout as you're going out and you're getting your food for dinner and you're a bit hungry and chocolate or chips are so attractive. The fact that it's set up that way does have an impact on us. So it's not all up to the individual. If that's the case, and if the way we've set up Western societies in particular to work against us as far as our weight goes, and if diet and exercise isn't the easy answer that everyone kind of makes it out to be, what then is the answer? We can't all line up for surgery. No. However, I would say that in a proportion of people, surgery, bariatric surgery is life-saving and should be accessible to those people where it's going to benefit them. And that is an issue in our community as well, that many people cannot access that surgery. As individuals, you know, we do need to work with ourselves to say, no, look, I won't have that chocolate biscuit. I'll have a salad instead. You know, we do need to work on that ourselves, but understand it's not all just for us. The fact is that as a community and as a society and government controls need to be in place and corporations, you know, the big food manufacturers need to step up and do this better. So it needs to be a very broad approach. Things that have been considered are things like a sugar tax so that those really sugary drinks and foods are are as expensive as they really are. And things like the amount of sugar and salt that is in pre-processed food doesn't need to be there But it's there because the people that make it think that's what we want and because we're used to it, that's what we look for. But if we could change that and you can cut down particularly the salts and the sugars in pre-prepared foods and our taste buds will change accordingly, you can make shifts there as well. What do we do if we go to the doctor and we do feel that they are fat shaming us? Is it a case of just immediately going to find another doctor? Do we confront them? How do we handle it? I think as a patient visiting your doctor, it is important to understand that particularly for general practitioners, we are interested in the whole of our patient's health. And so you may come into us about your sore toe, but in actual fact, we're interested in understanding the whole of your health and are really looking for those preventative health options. If your doctor says something to you about your weight that you don't understand why they're asking or the language that they've used seems a bit odd to you or not appropriate, then as a patient, say to your doctor, why are you asking me about my weight? And I'm sorry, that language that you used just didn't feel okay to me. And the vast majority of GPs will go, well, look, I'm asking you about your weight because it's important for your health. And if it's a word or words that don't feel right, that they will say, oh, geez, I'm really sorry. What would you prefer me to use? I'm really interested in assisting you and improving your health and well-being. When you look at health and weight gain, we're not all created equal. While we know the mechanics of it, that the more you eat and the less you move, the likely outcome is weight gain, there are more factors to consider than just a lack of willpower. 
For example, genetic factors. It's now well documented that children of bigger parents are much more likely to themselves become bigger than children of leaner parents. A lot of the foods we have available to us are often cheap, incredibly tasty, very hard to resist, and packed full of sugars and fats. They're also heavily marketed, so they're constantly in our line of sight and very easily available. For some, you don't even have to get out of the car. For those who are more susceptible to addiction, you can get hooked on junk food. High sugar and high fat foods stimulate the reward centres in our brains, which is why studies compare this kind of addiction to that of someone hooked on certain types of drugs like alcohol, nicotine or cocaine. Hormones also play a role in weight gain. A Western diet high in sugar promotes insulin resistance, the hormone that regulates energy storage. That resistance causes cells all over the body to store that energy in fat cells instead of making it available for use. Leptin also plays a role. In healthy people, high leptin levels are linked to a reduction in appetite. And when it's working right, it should keep your brain informed of how much fat is stored in the body. When leptin levels are out of whack in someone who is heavier, that communication breaks down and the appetite remains as if not enough fat is in storage. And we have to factor in misinformation too, with the amount of diets, fads, pills, surgeries, prepackaged foods, lasers and other machines being pushed into the very lucrative weight loss market, it's easy to go from one to the next, expecting a dramatic reduction in weight, and more often than not, it's just another disappointment. That doesn't mean that the people who experience these things are unable to lose weight. It just means it can make it much, much harder. And so the stereotype that fatter people are lazy or have little or no willpower is not exactly true. What is true, though, is the stigma those people are subject to. Dr Kat Pauze from New Zealand's Massey University is a fat studies scholar whose research focuses on the effects of fat stigma on the health and well-being of fat individuals. Kat, just how far reaching into someone's health and well-being can fat stigma go? Fat stigma is incredibly pervasive. We find that children as young as three years of age have already internalized it. They will identify that they you know, don't want to play with the fat friend, the fat kid, because that's the bad kid and they know that because they're fat. So by age three, kids have internalized the fact that being fat is bad and that fat stigma then carries on through all facets of life. I think one of the areas where it most concerns me is when we look at the impact it has on healthcare of fat people. And what we find is that there are three main barriers to fat people accessing ethical, evidence-based healthcare, and all three of them really kind of boil down to fat stigma. Well, let's talk about that. Do we have an idea of how often people who are obese are being misdiagnosed for health issues or overlooked when they're in the doctor's office because the doctor focuses on weight and nothing else? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it happens quite often. So the fact is that doctors hold negative attitudes towards fatness. And in fact, they usually hold stronger negative attitudes than the general public. What we find when we study this is we find that doctors, they perceive their fat patients as less interested in health, less compliant, and even actually less worthy of preventative care. Some reporting that they'd rather just not have to treat fat people at all. And this results in them spending less time with them, being less likely to order diagnostic tests for fat people. And of course, for many fat people, they're not able to get their doctor to see them as anything more than being fat. And so that kind of becomes the only diagnosis they receive. We spoke to a GP who said, if you do go to your doctor and they do 
in essence, fat shame you, that you should speak up and you should say something. But is that stigma, the internalised stigma, maybe part of the reason why we don't say anything in the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, I think for a lot of us, we find it quite often difficult to speak up for ourselves, to stand up for ourselves, especially in positions where there's a power dynamic. And, you know, whether we recognize it or not, most of us tend to think of doctors as figures of authority. And so, you know, there's kind of that power dynamic at play that someone like myself, who is pretty active in fat politics and actively working for fat people to have the same rights as non-fat people, I don't have a problem speaking up when I experience someone trying to fat shame me, but I'm probably an outlier in that sense. One of the things I tell the fat people that come to me that you know are concerned because they don't feel like they're getting good care or they've had a doctor dismissing their back pain for several years, just telling them, well, if you lost weight, it would be better or giving them just simply weight loss as you know, some kind of treatment option, they tell them to try to find a better doctor, one that will prescribe for them the same things they would prescribe for a non-fat patient. And when possible, I direct them to who that doctor might be in their area. Is the solution to this really a societal shift? I mean, we could train GPs better, but if the stigma exists in society, it doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere. So do we have to wait for a societal shift for this to have some kind of resolution or is there some training we could probably put people through? I hope not, right? I do think that there are active steps that we can take, you know, if we're speaking again specifically about healthcare settings. At this current present time, in most educational clinical settings, the 70 kg male body is still the body that healthcare professionals are learning to treat. That is not the norm in any of our populations anymore. And so it's not unsurprising to me when clinicians report that they don't know how to do something like palpate a fat abdomen or how to do CPR on a fat person because they're never trained to do so. So I do think that there are active steps that we can be taking in the training and the educating of our healthcare profession to ensure that even if they still have a negative stigma, they at least know the basics of being able to provide care for their fat patients. You might have noticed that we haven't used the O words in this episode of The Quickie, and that is a very conscious choice. After speaking to Dr. Kat, she asked us to be careful of the language we use to speak about someone who is heavier. Overweight suggests that there's a standard weight that we should all be at or under. Obese is a medical term, a symptom of a much bigger issue that places the responsibility of weight-related health issues squarely on the shoulders of the individual. So we're being asked to consider being comfortable with the word fat, or someone who is bigger, or a person of weight, so we can remind ourselves that they are more than size. Fat people are human. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Siobhan Moran-McFarlane and myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And guys, Lady Startup Stories are back with a brand new host, journalist and former bachelorette, Georgia Love. What can women entrepreneurs learn from other creative women? A whole lot, says our next guest. Hi, this is my Lady Startup Story. I'm Georgia Love, and last year I became a lady startup when I launched my business, Georgia Elliott Sleepwear. Becoming an entrepreneur was something I never thought I would do. So now I am one. 
I have a lot of questions. What was the very first thing you did? What do you wish someone had told you? At what point did it start making money for you? Oh my God, how terrifying. A random person just came out of nowhere almost and changed the direction of your life. That's why I'm hosting Mamma Mia's podcast, Lady Startup Stories. If you've ever wondered how to build a business, what it's like being your own boss, or are just curious about how women have built their brands, then this is the podcast for you. Every week I'll be speaking to a lady startup about how they got their business off the ground and what tips they'd share. So if you're a lady startup or you're interested in learning about how busy women have built their businesses, subscribe to the Lady Startup Stories podcast in your favourite podcast app. Check out how Aussie women build their business and download the new series of Lady Startup Stories in your podcast app from March 2nd. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.